Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, a new podcast series focusing on global business and Bermuda. Thanks for listening. In this episode of RG Business Navigate, Jonathan Kent and Nathan Kowalski look ahead in Business Outlook 2022 with host Shivani Seth. Hi, a very warm welcome to the RG Business Outlook for 2022. I'm Shivani Sait and I'm your host for today. I'm looking forward to discussing the economic issues and trending opportunities and what Bermuda will actually face in 2022. And I'm very lucky to be joined this morning by uh, my guest, Jonathan Kent, who is a former RG business editor and now a free freelance business writer. So welcome, Jonathan. Good morning, Shivani, and, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming along. And firstly, tell us, how is life? You were obviously with the RG for, for quite some time. How's it being freelance out on the road? What, what does it all entail? Well, it's, uh, it, it's certainly different from, from the world of employment. Uh, it, uh, uh, I've enjoyed it so far. It's a great variety of work, a wonderful bunch of clients, and uh, I'm very happy. So you're not missing the RG too much then? Not too much. <laughs> Parts of your day, I hope. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot for coming in today. You've actually done a super piece for the RG, the Business Outlook for 2022. Um, I'm excited to discuss that with you today. And it, it was published last week, the uh, second week of December, in case anybody has missed it. Um, you know, let I'd like to kick off really with the the big news for the last few years, which is just really taking over all the headlines, and that's COVID, the pandemic. Um, let me pick, kick off with a very big question for you. What does a post-pandemic Bermuda really mean? I mean, I you know, last week it was all about getting over the Delta violent, uh, variant. rather. Uh, this week I feel like I'm waking up to a bit of a groundhog day. I've woken up this morning and Omicron seems to be swarming, taking over the world. France has shut down. New York looks like it's about to shut down. What does it mean for us? Well, that's a huge question. Uh, it's uh, obviously great uncertainty is baked into to an economic outlook at any time. But when you have this situation ongoing, it, it's even greater. Uh, and uh, I don't envy the business owners who have to make decisions in these conditions. But uh, th- there is a glimmer of hope out there, I think, because although COVID is clearly not going away, uh, the experts say it's likely to evolve in, into an endemic as opposed to a pandemic. And hopefully, in time, we'll, we will start to learn to live with COVID as opposed to be repeatedly disrupted and, and even paralysed by every outbreak. And you, you talk about, you know, learning to live with it and beginning what I perhaps phrase as a new normal. I'm, I'm a little bit confused at the moment because I thought we were learning to live with it, but sometimes I feel we're back at at zero again, you know, we've we've been vaccinated, um, lots of the, or we've been offered the vaccination, I should say, industries are learning to move and groove with it. So why does it feel like Omicron is about to cripple us again? Or perhaps I'm a little bit paranoid. Well, the, the early indications from, from what I've read, at least, are that Omicron is less, is likely to be less severe than Delta. Yes. Uh, fewer people ending up in the hospital, fewer deaths. And, and hopefully that is a sign of how COVID will evolve. Let's move our conversation into the actual economy then. You know, how has the pandemic impacted our economy here in Bermuda? And 
And what do you feel is our economic outlook? I've obviously had the, the luxury of reading through your financial outlook, but just as a top level summary before I, I kick into the key topics that I'd like to focus on today. Well, it was a fascinating project uh, looking at this economic outlook. And th there are things that we do know, of course, looking backwards. Uh, we now know there was a near 7% contraction in the economy in 2020 and the loss of 1,950 jobs, uh, which was a, a terrible uh, blow for us. Uh, and, and speaking to Nathan Kowalski last year at about this time, he predicted a K-shaped recovery in which uh, the sectors that could carry on much as normal uh, with working from home, uh, that they would, they would enjoy a, a decent recovery, while those vulnerable to lockdowns and COVID restrictions, like hospitality, personal services, uh, would continue to struggle. And I think he's been pretty much spot on there. We've got a two-speed recovery. Uh, yes. In fact, one, some, some areas are continuing to, to really struggle. Yes, they are. And, you know, talking about... The recovery, uh, one concern or rather one question I have is that how can we, with all of this, account for our inflation figure of 1.5% versus the US figure of 6.8%? It seems to me entirely unrealistic. I mean, when I personally go out just to do my everyday jobs, I feel everything is so much more expensive. There's a lot less available on the shelves. Okay, we're not starving, but... There isn't that variety. There is There are supply chain issues throughout the world. So how do we really account for 1.5%? Yeah, well, I agree with you. I, I really think that's uh, an unrealistic figure. And I think most people's experience would tell them that. Uh, but I think it's worth noting that, that Bermuda's figures are based on uh, what was happening in August, I think is the, the most recent okay. figure. So there's a, like a three-month lag between our figure and, and what's being reported in the U.S., the 6.8%, which is really the, the highest in, in nearly 40 years. Uh, so I, I think what will happen is over the next three months, we'll see a significant uptick in, in inflation that okay. uh, reflects what's happening. So some tough times ahead in Q1 2022? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, it, inflation erodes the value of your 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 dollars, your purchasing power, and hurts people, particularly the most vulnerable in the sure. economy, people on fixed incomes especially. And, uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit about, obviously it's very much our local economy that's been in punished, and throughout the pandemic with the working from home uh, that everybody was, was having to go through, I feel that sometimes, you know, the the financial world hasn't really been impacted because everybody who works in finance or reinsurance banking on the island just just went home and switched on their laptop however obviously the restaurants the tourist industry they couldn't go they didn't have that opportunity so my question really is how can bermuda solve the social polarization that the pandemic has caused that's a big one it is it's a huge question and i don't envy the government for having to deal with it um, but I think uh, key to solving that growing inequity is uh, creating opportunities to get the unemployed back to work. Okay. And um, primarily through uh, strengthening the tourism industry. Of course, that's easier said than done. Yes. Uh, but uh, I know a lot of people in tourism were talking about the COVID testing requirements. Yes. That we have here, which are more draconian than in rival destinations. That's right. And I think that can be addressed uh, but obviously 
it's a difficult decision to make because you're balancing public health interests yes. with economic interests. And again, tough decision. It's a tough decision. And the government obviously has their economic recovery plan in play. Um, and we can talk more about that later. So uh, moving on from there, then really in my mind, there are probably three big topics that I'd like to discuss with you today. Obviously, COVID was the biggest one, and that's that's the outlier. But looking again, looking back at your article that you published last week, um, I'd like to look at global tax, ESG, and digital asset banking, uh, and the implications for us here in Bermuda. You know, we talk about we need the growth in Bermuda, we need more residents, we need the economy to, to recover, we need people literally back in the city spending and moving around. So if I begin with global tax, you know, that's quite a concern for many people around the world. By 2023, we're expecting a minimum global tax to be imposed upon us, even here in Bermuda. So in your articles, as well as in the government economic recovery plan, one of the initiatives is that we are hoping to expand the Bermuda residents population. So my question to you is, surely the imposition of a minimal global tax could spark an exodus of the Bermuda reinsurance industry, you know, the very industry that to a degree keeps us afloat, if I'm not speaking out of turn, correct me. Um, Is there a way that we can mitigate this risk? Well, I think there are several things we can do, but I think first it's it's worth noting that uh, the advantage for Bermuda is that the reinsurance industry is a real industry with a real marketplace, which okay. employs many hundreds of people. It's grown up over six decades and has a, a cluster of some of the best expertise in the world. And the risk of an exodus is, is real. I mean, effective tax rates will increase and that will change the equation of Bermuda's value proposition to those companies. Um, but I think what Bermuda can focus on is what it can control because the, the global minimum tax is largely something we can do little about. Uh, so I think that we have to ensure that the non-tax elements of our equation, uh, including uh, things like world-class regulation from the BMA, uh, are as attractive as they can be. Uh, and with the regulation, I'm talking about solvency to equivalency with the EU, reciprocal jurisdiction status from the US, which allows Bermuda reinsurers to compete on a level playing field in both of those huge markets. You know, that, that's, that's a massive asset that few can match. Uh, also, a, a speed to market. You know, if, if uh, you can get a license within weeks, yes. you start a new reinsurance company. And uh, investors who see a market opportunity can set up a company and deploy capital quickly, far more so than they could elsewhere. And let's not forget that uh, Bermuda has been through a test like this in in recent times. Yes. With the U.S. tax reform, which came in about three years ago, Uh, many people predicted doom and gloom then, but it did result in restructuring and uh, relocation of teams, but some Bermuda reinsurers actually registered as U.S. taxpayers, uh, and they're still here, which <laughs> speaks for itself, I think. Very uh, true. I mean, you know, I think it is about understanding how it will impact us, and that's going to actually be my first podcast that I will be launching in the new year, Global Tax, and bringing in the specialists. Let's have a chat about ESG. So this is this has certainly become the new buzzword around 
it's definitely a priority on every company's agenda for 2022 and it you know it should be uh, how will companies do you feel how will they keep pace with ESG reporting requirements and perhaps more importantly how will they implement their ESG strategy it's something that boards are, are grappling with now I mean the purpose of the firm was traditionally to maximize the wealth of shareholders but society now expects more from companies uh, the, the ESG movement is the manifestation of that and companies are coming under pressure from customers and regulators to be better corporate citizens yes and and so that there's a, a real momentum behind ESG and it covers a broad range of issues of course from environment and sustainability to equity in the workplace to good governance yes that's that's a huge broad swathe of things that the companies have to deal with. Uh, but I think businesses are, are demanding uh, clarity on this. They want to know, you know, where do we start? What standard are we supposed mm -hmm. to meet? I mean, be better corporate sure. citizens is, is so vague that they want clarity, that they want to know where they stand, what they're supposed to be doing. And I think that's a struggle for many now. But there, there is clearer sustainability standards coming from regulators in the UK and EU now particularly and in Bermuda the BMA has signaled that that's the way they're, they're going as well okay um, but and in diversity in the workplace of course there's much room for improvement yes but in Bermuda we, we see the insurance industry taking part in the diving festival ABIX CEO pledge from a few years ago scholarships to give people from all backgrounds access to careers in IB uh, and, but, but now I think there's a feeling that, that there needs to be a switch from good intentions and words to action. Putting it into place to action. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and sometimes I feel, or not sometimes, I think the reality is that when you are looking to employ somebody as a, as a business, as a corporation, um, it's more the, the person that's coming in that's, employ, that's interviewing you, not employing you, obviously, interviewing you and wanting to know, you know, what do you have on offer? What are your strategies? And you know, before it was the millennials, but there's a whole new new crowd of, of uh, youngsters coming in and wanting to know, well, is this a company I want to work for? It's no longer, oh, I'm desperate for a graduate scheme, you know, or I, I really need a job, I've graduated. I think people are taking a lot longer to decide, does that company have the look that I want it to have? Is that a company I would be actually proud to work for? and wear it as a badge of honour. And I think that, as you said, with the diversity, the social inclusion, I think all of that is really at play as well. Yes, indeed. I mean, we hear often that, that uh, millennials are very purpose-driven. So, so companies competing for talent is an area where ESG has value for yes. companies as, as well. Definitely. Uh, it, you know, climate risk is a natural focus point. And as we have seen from around the world, flash flooding, tornadoes, wildfires they're all becoming more and more common. You know, in a world where such events were once considered low-frequency, high-severity events, you know, this is not the case anymore. So how, how will companies adapt to our new world? And in particular, obviously, the reinsurance industry. How is it going to adapt? How will they manage to compete with this new climate risk that we're having to deal with? Well, as you say, uh, climate risk is a, a huge factor uh, and it's already visible uh, that the impact of it and it, it represents a huge opportunity for Bermuda we can really lead from the front on this I think okay because we already cover a large portion of the world's natural catastrophe risk yes um, we have some of the best uh, catastrophe risk management talent in the world 
and also an excellent business environment for innovation. You know, the BMA Sandbox provides a place where new ideas can be tested out safely. Yes. Uh, and uh, the speed to market that allows new capital to be applied to those ideas in a timely fashion as well. All of that uh, gives us a, a, an edge in this climate risk area. I think also on the science side, we, we have BIOS, you know, the Bermuda Institute of Ocean yes. Science. It's got the longest uh, continuous open ocean monitoring program in the world. So world-class data there, great information on how the climate change is, is affecting the ocean. Uh, and, and beyond insurance, I think uh, Bermuda can set an example to the world. Now we, we have sun, wind and waves that can give us energy, and there are moves afoot on all of those fronts. Uh, and, and we're so small that we can realise a renewable energy revolution in a way that larger countries uh, would find much more difficult. And I think that's one of the unique things about Bermuda. It's a real melting pot. You know, you can go from literally one street to another in Bermuda, and as you've just mentioned... There's at least 10 different things going on and we're, we're on that world map, you know, and I do hope everybody appreciates that, that we are doing some fantastic work here and we'll, we'll continue to do so. Exactly. Um, Belco, of course, has got a, a new owner who's committed to renewables. Yes. Uh, who's talked about investing $300 million into it in Bermuda. That is a, a great catalyst and green energy is a potential job generator for, for years to come. Certainly. And that will, again, all work towards helping our economy and industry grow and hopefully increase the number of residents we need to keep this island afloat and moving well for everybody. If I could move on to digital banking. So, you know, one positive outcome of the pandemic, and I, I feel sometimes I'm always drawing on the negatives, and it's important to, to know there are certainly positives. So one positive outcome um, and the numerous lockdowns globally is that it's accelerated digitalization. So one example of this is obviously the online banking. So how do you feel that Bermuda has responded to this global trend? Well, we've heard from Clarion in, in one of the stories that we did for, yes. uh, for the out business outlook that the thing they saw during the pandemic was a big uptick, uptick in, in the use of online banking services, which is uh, kind of forced, I suppose, because people couldn't walk into the bank and do their business or pay their bills at to one communications or digital you know they had to learn to do it online and that that hasn't been a bad thing because uh, it drives convenience and speed and and uh, so i think as the public get more comfortable with that the shift to digital will continue and it's it's almost to a degree the, the push we needed traditional banks are as you'd imagine naturally concerned about the regulatory and comp compliance risk um the anti-money laundering and anti-terrorist financing that goes on and how, you know, how do you mitigate that? How do you manage that? It's, it's huge. The BMA has established, as we talked about earlier as well, a very comprehensive regulatory frame, framework around AML and ATF. How do you think digital asset banks will develop in Bermuda? Well, I think what you just said about regulation, it, it, it's very clear that the BMA has set about regulating fintech with the same kind of rigorous standards as, as it applies to traditional financial sectors. And, and that's limited its appeal, limited Bermuda's appeal to crypto cowboys, okay. which is a good thing, I think. Definitely. More issues in, say, the Cayman Islands than, than we've seen here. Right. And I think that, that approach to regulation is, is part of the reason for that. 
So I think that bodes well for the future, and it, it, we've, we've attracted serious operators like uh, Circle and, and Jewel, uh, which is a, a new digital bank that we also spoke with for in the Business Outlook. Yes, that's right. I, in fact, I was, I was going to ask you, having read about Jewel, to, um, <laughs> to actually ask, could Jewel be the jewel in the crown for Bermuda and set the ball rolling for other fintech companies wanting to set up shop in Bermuda? Well, it, it's very clear that fintech's development in Bermuda has been stalled by the, the lack of banking services available. Uh, and Jewel in, intends to uh, address that issue. And it's uh, applied for a banking license to the BMA and, and it, that could come through within the next month or two. Obviously the BMA must be working very hard. Obviously they've got to do their due diligence and also the bank could not comment on how fast they expected it to come through. But uh, I get the feeling that there is some impetus behind this because of the importance of banking services to this whole sector. And do you feel that then the fintech industry could be as amazing as the reinsurance industry has been for Bermuda, is there that possibility for us? Well, it's possible because, uh, I mean, during our interview with Jewel, I spoke with the chairman of the company, is uh, Chance Barnett. Okay. And uh, he said that he expects within five years that about 10% of, of global GDP will be on the blockchain. Right. So if we see anything even close to that, then the growth in this sector will be explosive. Okay. And if Bermuda gets a, a, part a piece of that, of that yeah. <laughs> by, by its, its good regulationary framework and right. its inviting attitude to, to innovators, then I think that bodes really well. I think this is a promising sector uh, that, that has been a slow burner up to now. Definitely but a sector, one to watch. I think stable coins might be a game changer here because, uh, you know, that the conversation around digital currencies is somewhat tainted okay. by the volatility around the trading in Bitcoin, Ethereum, this kind of uh, sure. currency, uh, because uh, they go up and down in, in quite alarming ways, which normal currencies don't. I, I looked at the price of Bitcoin this morning. I think it was $47,000. It doesn't lend itself to <laughs> uh, you know, buying a cup of coffee. And no, this kind <laughs> I of think thing. That's, where, that's my issue. Uh, but I do think stable coins could be a game changer because they're backed by dollars, euros, pounds, okay. currencies we all understand. And that will help to get past some of the doubts about and the digital issue. currency. Yes. And then perhaps we can move on to the advantages, which are sort of speed, certainty, reducing the cost of transactions. One of the things that the dual CEO told me during our conversation was uh, that, that there are huge inefficiencies that have been evident in the global financial system for many years. Yes. But they've stayed around because banks, credit card companies, they, they profit from them. They do. You're right, because every transaction you make costs something. So if you want to make an international transaction, you've got the bank that you're sending from, then you have the middle bank, and then you have the receiving bank. And I, <laughs> I, I, I sort of got burnt by this recently myself, and by the end I was entirely baffled, and I thought, well, that's crazy. There's got to be, as you said, not only a more efficient method, but a cost-saving method for, for an individual who's worked hard to earn that money. Indeed. Uh, I think this is where uh, digital currencies will show their value okay. over that's, time. Uh, that's actually quite exciting. If that could alleviate my tension, I'll be delighted. I'll be signing up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, 
Thank you for coming along today. I'd just like to sort of conclude and have a quick review of the economy. There's, there is certainly a lot of positivity that has come out of the pandemic, um, you know, the topics we've talked about here today. Do you feel that the Bermudian economy will get the boost it needs in 2022 or are we still, is it a little bit too early? That's a difficult question, but I see the insurance industry remaining strong. And that's the anchor of the whole economy and the way it, it drives demand in other sectors. Okay. But I think it's critical for Bermuda that, that tourism and hospitality must have a better year. Sure. In order for us to honestly say that, that it's, it's going to be a good year. Uh, otherwise, a significant part of the community will continue to suffer. The two things are critical there, building airlift and ensuring that our testing requirements for COVID-19 are, are not much more draconian than our main competitors. Okay. Uh, although that, that, again, is is a tough decision. It is definitely, uh, thankfully, not one I need to take, or you perhaps. <laughs> um, do you, you know, two final bits, really. Do you feel Bermuda will be able to meet the budget deficit target? And that's that's quite a big question to, to almost be ending with, and I apologise. But, you know, it's, it's incredibly important to understand that because the deficit is enormous. It is, and... Uh, it depends, of course, how the economy fares, how businesses fare, how much uh, they, they are able to employ people, pay payroll tax. So it's it, quite the vicious cycle, really. You know, naturally one leads to the other. And is there a way of breaking that cycle? Or is there, you know, is there some way of sort of well, they talk about swimming pools getting a shock treatment so they can heat them up for the winter? Is there a way of giving us some sort of a shock treatment in Bermuda? Well, I think something you touched on earlier the importance of bringing in more residents, okay. which is something the Fiscal Responsibility Panel have, have uh, mentioned several times. A comprehensive immigration reform would help a great deal, I think. Uh, and, and, uh, and just as you mentioned that, obviously, we've had the digital nomads, which did help. I can't remember the did. final numbers. Were there 700? There were, there were more than 900 okay. applied and right. 630-odd actually, actually, came. actually came. And can we... Obviously, they do help. They, they're renting the homes. They're going to the supermarket. They're going to the restaurants. If they have children, their children are going to the school. So that is giving the economy a natural boost. But, but can we sustain it? Can, will they stay here? You know, I, I feel like I've heard of a few that are certainly leaving for whatever reason. You know, they need to go back home or back from where they're from. Is there a way of sustaining that? I do think that uh, immigration reform in a way that's, that's controlled... Uh, and planned you know you look at each sector how yes. many people will we need to replace the baby boomers leaving the workforce okay to sustain the economy and then you have a good guidance as to how many workers you need from overseas sure and and you're in con complete control of it okay. so it needn't be quite so frightening as, as <laughs> the conversation often no, is. That, that paints a very a very positive light on it and you know fingers crossed we do keep moving in that way so what would be your final three words about 2022 before we sign out? Think long term. Uh, I think there is light at the end of this tunnel and okay. hopefully we'll glimpse some of it in 2022. So think long term. Yes. Got it. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Jonathan. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. It's been fun, Shivani. I enjoyed <laughs> okay. it. Hopefully we'll get <laughs> to chat again soon. Take care. You have been listening to RG Business Navigate series, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags. Thanks for listening.